Well, thanks for thanks so much for having me. Uh, let me just say a, another prayer here. God, we love you and and thank you for what you're speaking. Uh, we uh, are so thankful for the gift of your Holy Spirit here during this season. Thank you that you did not leave us alone, that you poured out your Spirit in us and upon us, and we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, uh, into the rest of this teaching time this afternoon. Uh, open the eyes of our hearts. Give us that spirit of revelation. Catch us up in your story into the things that you are doing. And uh, I just pray that you would apply the truths of your word in specific ways to anyone that hears it. Holy Spirit, just give little whispers and nudges and uh, direction uh, for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your name, Jesus. Amen. This is going to be a little bit of an interesting uh, talk following that one. <laughs> um because what I felt stirred to share about was really to invite you guys to sing. <laughs> and Jonathan and I have talked about what Jesus called the dance and the dirge and this uh, tension that's a biblical tension uh, between the kingdom of God that's now and not yet. <laughs> and so what I'm going to share is not is certainly not a contradiction to the amaz amazing teaching that Dave just gave about the need for truth. Uh, which is so important, um, and the need to mourn, which is which is so important. But uh, we also need to sing, and we also need to rejoice <laughs> at the same time. And those two things are not in contradiction to one another. And so I actually believe that as we near the return of Jesus, one of the wisest things that we can do is actually to worship, <laughs> is to sing, and to honor the Lord. And uh, there's it's almost seems foolish, but. Uh, as we, as we get here to the day of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, Ephesians 5 says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So one of the things that comes from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is worship, is, is praise is a song. And, um, and just in light of the, the previous teaching, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just start here and just, uh, just again, just say that the kingdom of God is now and not yet. So as we, as we near the return of Jesus, we're anticipating oh, that scripture was Ephesians chapter five that I just read, if that's what that comment is asking Ephesians five eighteen, uh, from there on. So the kingdom of God is now and not yet. So there's, the kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns. Jesus said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So the kingdom of God is where the king is in charge. It's the place of his rule and his reign. It's, it's where he has his way. And that is 100% in heaven. He has things exactly how he wants them. Uh, and rather than coming the first time and bringing his political dominion, like Many were expecting Jesus uh, came and then he ascended and then he put the spirit of God in our hearts. And so when we come into Christ, we come into the kingdom of God. We become citizens of God's kingdom, ambassadors of his kingdom. We come under his leadership, his rule and his reign. And so in that sense, the kingdom of God is now, right? Because we are in the kingdom of God and we as the church, his people are advancing his kingdom on the earth. And there's Another sense in which the fullness of God's kingdom is not coming until Jesus himself returns 
and is here in, in the bodily form. So we live in that tension right now. We live in that mourning and that rejoicing. And so there's this ache for the fullness, but there's also a rejoicing in the gospel and what Jesus has already done in his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And so that that's what I want to just call us into here and invite, invite us into is that uh, I believe we need to worship. I believe God's inviting us to sing. I believe he's inviting us to pray. And I believe as we near the return of Jesus, uh, we're going to see the earth, the nations filled with a new song uh, that the earth is going to sing. Because what Jesus is doing is he's restoring everything back to Eden, so to speak. Uh, and so in God's original creation, heaven was on earth. We say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. But God was on the earth. The tabernacle of God was of men in the original Eden. They, God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. And Eden was uh, a sanctuary, a temple, and really God's desire. And I don't have time to get into this very much, but Bible scholars have really established the fact that Eden was to be seen as a tabernacle, as a sanctuary, as a temple, and that Adam was to be seen as a priest. His job was to worship and to steward the garden as a place of God's glory and God's presence. And so our original purpose as humanity is to be priest. We are called to minister to the Lord and to represent God to creation. That is uh, what we were made to do. This is what you and I were made to do. We are made to be priests. And so when God told Adam to be and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, his original vision was that the earth would be filled with worship, that worshipers would be multiplied across the earth. And Eden, the, the, the beautiful place of his presence there with Adam and Eve would be multiplied across the earth, which is, which is pretty incredible. Uh, and an amazing vision that we were created to be on the earth, to worship the Lord and to steward the earth as a place of his presence uh, and together as a royal priesthood. So we're, we're priests that, that minister to the Lord, and but we're royal priesthood. We have authority and we're to uh, care for the earth together. And so what obviously sin has, has separated us from God, heaven and earth, there's this rift now. And what Jesus is doing is restoring things back to Eden, but it's even going to be greater than God's original plan was from, from the beginning. And so as we near the return of Jesus and we look towards that day, we also need to look back and realize that what's really happening is a restoration, that God is restoring all things back to the way they were originally meant to be in Ephesians. It, it talks about how God's bringing everything in heaven and earth together in Christ, that Jesus is bringing those things back together again. And so this becomes pretty clear. You guys probably know these verses, right? First Peter two, it says that we are a royal priesthood that because, because of Christ, we have now been restored back to our original purpose. We can worship him again. We can experience his presence again. Yeah. You guys are posting the, my next verses right there. There you go. Revelation one and revelation five. Exactly. That Jesus, I, I love the revelation five one. Um, let me look it up here real quick. I don't have it memorized like Jason probably does, but um, just messing. Um, Revelation 5, verse 9, they sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God 
from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So Jesus was slain. The Lamb of God was slain, and he's brought people out of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Why? To make them a kingdom of priests to God so that they could reign on the earth. So our original purpose, when we look back at Eden, is to be a royal priesthood. And our eternal destiny is also to be a royal priesthood. So God is bringing us back through Christ to be who we were made to be from the beginning. And so you see this in heaven, the 24 elders are a royal priesthood in heaven. They're sitting on thrones in chapter four of Revelation four. And you get to chapter five, they've got harps and bowls. They're doing worship and prayer. They're in heaven. They're doing priestly ministry and they're also kings. So they're a royal priesthood in heaven. And again, Jesus, of course, is bringing uh, heaven to earth. And um, yeah, and so I believe how we now, what we need to be doing as we look forward to the return of Jesus is we embrace the uh, kingdom now. And in a sense, we live in the future right now. (laughs) And so as the church, we're kind of building kingdom outposts uh, for heaven on earth where we're these royal priestly communities that we are called to manifest some measure, some degree of heaven on earth, where we gather together to worship, uh, gather together around the presence of God, gather together to pray, uh, and, we, and we act in this priestly way. I don't know that I necessarily defined uh, what it means to be a priest very well, but the primary activity of priests is to minister to the Lord. That is the primary activity of priest is to worship. In, in a broader sense, priests are representatives. They go to God on behalf of people. So they're intercessors, and then they go to people on behalf of God. Uh, and so they're prophets in, in that sense. That's what priests are. And so I believe that the God is inviting us by, by his spirit to say, we, we need to manifest a measure of heaven on earth right now. We need to begin to function in this royal priestly identity. Now we need to start singing. We need to start worshiping. Uh, we need to, we need to embrace that reality right now. Um, like Jonathan said, I just finished my first book. It's called David's Tabernacle, how God's presence changes everything. And uh, Dr. Jason Hubbard was gracious enough to, to look over it and give me an endorsement, which I was so grateful for we're even though we're kind of new friends but uh really appreciated that and uh and so king david and what i write what i write about a lot in this book is that david and the tabernacle the community he established in jerusalem and he became king is such a picture of all of this what i'm what i'm sharing about david brought together the priestly and the kingly ministries together he he had this amazing revelation that he kind of summarized in Psalm 22, three, where he says, God is enthroned in praises. That is a stunning statement. The idea that there's a connection between praise and worship and our songs and God coming in his throne, which is his God's government, God's kingdom, that God is enthroned in the midst of worship. This is uh, an amazing revelation that David had. Uh, It's a heavenly revelation. Again, that's exactly what you see when the Apostle John, you know, a thousand years later would peer into the heavenly throne room. He would see the government of God, the throne room of God, and it's surrounded by worship and prayer. 
that that's the environment from which God releases uh, Psalm 22, three was the verse I just read, but the environment in which God releases his government, his kingdom, his purposes, his judgments is in the context of day and night songs. God is singing in heaven and he has mute. There's music <laughs> going all around him. And then there's bowls, these, these bowls of incense, which is our conversations that we've had with God. And, there, and it coming to him as incense. And God said, this is exactly what I want. This is my kingdom. This is the place where I have things exactly how I want. And it's musical worship. Uh, and it's the conversations of my, of my people. It's the interaction with me and my people. This is the environment in which God wanted. And it's this uh, convergence of worship and government. It's this uh, coming together of the priestly and kingly realities in God's kingdom, those things cannot be separated. His rule and reign and this priestly activity of love and worship and praise and song and intercession and partnership, those things are the atmosphere in which God releases his government and his purposes into the earth. And so that's what David established in his day to, in, in, in a degree in Israel when he set up this really unique tabernacle with music and worship and songs, and this had never happened before. And for the 33 years of David's reign, there were songs going in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. And Zion became this poetic word all throughout scripture to refer to the place of worship and the place of God's throne in his government. And it was Jerusalem and it's also heaven. Um, and so the point is that David had in the understanding that God's government flows from worship, that the kingly authority that God wants to give his people is an overflow of priestly ministry, that authority comes from intimacy, that our kingly uh, responsibility flows out of our priestly relationship with the Lord. David tapped into this in an amazing way. Um, and so what's happening now <laughs> is as we, God's people, worship him, uh, he manifests his kingdom. He is enthroned in our praises as we worship him. And so David had a little prototype in Israel, in Jerusalem, for 33 years of what Jesus is now doing in the globe, where he is raising up his people, his church, to be a house of prayer for the nations. He's raising up a global worship and prayer movement that's connected directly to the coming of his kingdom into the earth. So David's tabernacle foreshadowed that royal priesthood in, in Israel, but now it's going global. This thing's going international. And there's a number of verses that I could reference that, that indicate this point. One of them uh, that I love is Malachi 1.11, where it says, from the rising of the sun to the setting my name will be great among the nations. He says, in every place, incense will rise and a pure offering to me. So, so God has promised that across the globe, there's going to be this incense of prayer and worship that's going to, that's going to rise to him. That's what God has in his heart is a, is a royal priesthood across the, across the world that is offering him love and worship and praise and songs. And I want to zero in for just a second on Isaiah chapter 42, because this is just an amazing picture of 
all that I'm talking about here. And the first nine verses are about our messianic prophecy of, of Jesus, the, the servant who, who's going to come to the earth. And in, in verse 10, it's the earth responding to Jesus. And it says, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let the desert and its cities lift up their voice goes on and on and talks about from the villages, from the mountains, from the coastlands, from the islands. It describes all these geographic places all over the earth that they're giving God glory, that they're singing to him this new song. So Isaiah is seeing a vision of the earth responding. There's a global worship movement, a global new song that rises in response to Jesus. So verses one through nine is, is Jesus coming. Verses 10 through 12 is the response to the revelation of Jesus and the nations begin to sing. And then verse 13 is God's response to the response. <laughs> so the people it's Isaiah 42. That's right. Yeah. So, so there's a response to Jesus and then there's a response to the response. And it says, the Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. Isn't that awesome? God's response to the new song that rises all over the earth. And so the, the new song, the, the Hebrew word, one of the Hebrew words is tehillah. Uh, it's a song that flows uh, from the hearts of God's, God's people. And many times when you see the phrase new song in the Bible, you see that word tehillah is right there with it. It, it gets translated to the word praise, but it's connected to this idea of a new song. It's that we see God in a fresh way, and then we respond uh, with worship. And so I believe this Isaiah 42 pattern here, this revelation of Jesus, the response from the church to sing, and then God comes <laughs> and responds to the response. I believe that happens on a macro level and a micro level. So there's a sense in which every time we worship, we respond to God and he responds to us. And that happens every time we gather together. And that's happening even now. I believe there's a sense in which God comes. He is enthroned in our praises. And when the king comes in the midst of our worship, he has to confront anything in contradiction to his kingdom. So that's a great thing. <laughs> it means that darkness, the confusion, the deception, all of those things, sin, when those things begin to be confronted, there's this collision with darkness and light. When we invite his presence through worship to come. And this is going to happen on a macro level. I believe there's sort of an end times eschatological dimension to this passage too, where there's the ultimate, the Lord comes, <laughs> Jesus returns, right? And he brings the full manifestation of, of who he is and his kingdom down to the earth. As I talked about, there's a now and not yet dimension to all of this, uh, that as we worship, he's going to come. And, and I believe prior to his return, there's going to be a global song that arises that's going to usher him in and welcome him in. And it's not going to be everybody, but there's going to be what, you know, Jesus said, in Matthew 24, 14, there's going to be a witness of the gospel in all the nations, right? Uh, and then the end will come. And so if, if we are made to worship, <laughs> if we are created to worship, then the wit, part of the witness of the gospel in all the nations is, is there's going to be worship in all the nations. There's going to be people in every ethnos who are loving, worshiping, praising, declaring 
who Jesus is in every place. So I believe we're going to see a, a great crescendo of worship, a great crescendo of the gospel, and it's going to collide, <laughs> I, I believe, with a great crescendo of darkness, the rage of the nations against the kingdom of God. There's going to be challenge. There's going to be tribulation. But I do believe that that, that dark and light are going to collide together. But we're going to see this beautiful song that arises, uh, cry, cries of his people in the midst of it. Part of the part of the songs that are sung are going to be intercessory songs. They're going to be prayers that are sung because God's raising up intercessors and watchmen. So the worship and prayer are going to flow together, just like you see in heaven. Uh, and there's a there's a lot of verses I could I could uh, share about that too. But I think you guys get the point here <laughs> that there's going to be an amazing move of God's Holy Spirit to awaken worship, and uh, and and I just believe as uh, almost childlike as it seems that one of the wisest things we could do as we, as we feel the urgency of the return of Jesus is to sing, is to sing to him, is to worship him and to praise him. I believe, I believe there, well, well, John Piper says it brilliantly like this. He says, worship is the fuel and the goal of missions. And, and so what we understand is that ultimately we're created to worship when Jesus returns and we're in the new heaven and the new earth and everything is culminated fully. We're going to continue to worship. That is going to be our eternal occupation. We'll be kings and priests to God forever. So what we see now is the challenges and the need for evangelism and missions and healing and transformation and all of these things. Those are temporary means to get us to the ultimate goal of, of worship. But worship is also what fuels that. Worship, it, it's the same, same pattern you see here uh, in Isaiah 42. It's like you see Jesus, and then we respond and we worship, and, and then he comes in the midst of our worship and advances his kingdom, and then we worship because he's awesome and he's with us. <laughs> and then that perpetuates the advancement of his kingdom in, into the earth. And so worship is both the fuel and it's, and it's the goal of, of missions. Um, let's see how much time we have here. So just, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys are leaving comments or not. The chat gets distracting if I've paid much, too much attention to it. So uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to look at that afterwards. Hopefully somebody's responding. But let me just uh, say one other thing here before I wrap up. Uh, just First Peter 2, where it does talk about us being a royal priesthood. It says, as you come to him, this is 1 Peter 2, 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you to uh, offer spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, offer your praise, offer your lives, offer your worship, offer your prayers. Uh, and I want to encourage you to do that in the context of community. Uh, you know, it says that we're living stones. I think the you know, just in terms of practical response to what I'm sharing is, is engage in what I would call a priestly community, a praying community, a missional prayer community that uh, in order for us to be priests, we have to be with other priests. We have to be a priesthood. So that's the context in which the scriptures speak of it here. Um, 
And then that we learn to offer those sacrifices. We learn to praise the Lord. We learn to pray. Um, verse nine says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies or the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So, um, God, we love you. And God, thank you that we get to be a part of what you are doing in the earth. And I pray that, uh, we would uh, take just this childlike posture of singing to you, God, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit in this season to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. God, that you would set everyone who hears his teaching in community that ministers to your heart, that hosts your presence, that partners with you to see your kingdom come and to see your will done on the earth, Lord. Uh, even as we mourn, we rejoice. We long for the fullness of all that you're going to do, Jesus, but we rejoice that in some sense it is finished, that you have died, that you have risen, that you have ascended, and, and we know that it's just a matter of time for you to wrap up all that you've, you've started, Jesus, and we are, are anticipating your return, and we're thankful for what you've already done, Jesus, and uh, I pray that you would make all of us who are, are tuning in today. God, make us worshipers. Make us lovers of you. Uh, let a new song arise in our hearts, in our cities, in our nations, Jesus, because you are, are worthy of it. And we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>